All right. Hello and welcome everyone to another episode of Waiting to be Signed, the show where we discuss the week's events in generative art. My name is Will and I'm joined by Trinity. And before we get started, a quick disclaimer. We are here to talk about art, not just the aesthetics, but the money surrounding it, as the market is a key part of art on the blockchain. That said, nothing we say here should be taken as financial advice. It is just for fun and conversation. You can follow us on Twitter at Waiting to Sign to keep up with our thoughts throughout the week, or for those who prefer a visual language on Instagram at Waiting to Be Signed. And of course, if you are feeling generous, we are always accepting donations, including tokens to our Tez wallet address, WTBS.Tez, or our ETH wallet address, WTBS.ETH. The best way you can support the show is by collecting the FX text articles that accompany each episode. It's a great way to follow along with all of the art, references, everything we talk about. It's going to be in those articles. If you haven't collected them yet, go back. There's plenty to choose from. Trinity, we missed last week. Poor planning on my part with the LA trip, thinking about the time difference, <laughs> realizing that it actually was a lot harder to make it work, not easier. <laughs> so big apologies there. No worries. That direction is tough. It was easier for me. I was going the opposite direction. So it was just a little bit later for you when it's early. It's awkward yeah. time between the work day and the work dinner. And exactly. you know, even on nights where I was getting back to my hotel at like 730, it's all, you know, 1030 for you. It's and we usually take at least 90 minutes to record these. So it's just like by Tuesday that week, I realized, oh, there's no way we're going to get this done. So luckily yeah. we had an interview ready to go. God, so you're so prepared. That. I love so it. So prepared. Yeah. What's going on with you? You're back from Canada. Work is crazy. Yeah. Anything big, relevant that you want to? No, just slowly going. <laughs> Insane. Yeah. But you know, we're here for it. And I feel like if there's a time for work to be nuts, this is the time when things are in a lull, like not too slow, it's a good time to be away, I think, or just be slightly less connected. Oh, you mean the bear market? <laughs> yeah, I mean the bear market. Yeah. Yeah, we actually have a fairly like robust episode now with two weeks worth of stuff to talk about. I feel like we have a nice agenda to run through here. I know. It's Let's not commit to doing this every other week because no content <laughs> is content. But yeah, it is nice to see a little bit more uh, robust notes. And, you know, I even feel like I was able to get caught up on a lot of the stuff that happened last week and earlier this week. Got to play with some FX pottery, which we can talk about later in the episode. It was a great opportunity to feel a little bit more engaged than usual. So absolutely love that for myself. That's great. I'm glad that you're finding time to to catch up with your busy schedule. You said that, that maybe by October, November, you might come out of this work fog. Uh, January now. Oh, January uh, now. You know, extended timelines. It's always great. Smile on the face, a little bit of fatalistic attitude, and <laughs> as long as the art is good. And the art is good. We got plenty to talk about this week, but as is tradition, a lot of news and catch up to do. Where should we start well, today? Before we get started in on the art, I did have one semi-relevant question for you. Will, how often do you think about the Roman Empire? Oh, okay. <laughs> I've seen this meme and the answer is never. <laughs> huh. I never ever think about it. And it just the prevalence of this thing makes me think that it's just kind of one big joke, which would make sense. But I also haven't done a check-in with any of my male friends to actually ask them if they think about this or not. I don't think about it either. I'm not one of your male friends. <laughs> What's there to think about? <laughs> it's so long. The Stoics. Ago. Yeah, but I guess if you think, I mean, not that I even think about the Stoics, but that doesn't make me think about the Roman Empire. It makes me just think about like a guy. If I think about it, it makes sense because, you know, thinking about the Roman Empire and it's, you know, inevitable 
an eventual downfall from great heights to Mm -hmm. whatever it is today, which is not much. You know, I think that there can definitely be some strong parallels between that and the the internal plight of the average white American male, (laughs) for the most part. We all want the uh, empire to return. Yeah, or just stay as it is. Um, Get some really good quotes in there. Build some cool buildings. Join a phalanx. Are you familiar with the female equivalent of this? No. To ask a woman how often they think about their ex-best friend. (laughs) Oh, I did see that one. I don't even know who my ex-best friend is at this point, so. (laughs) I I just saw that and I was like, that's kind of funny. (laughs) Everyone lives their own Roman Empire downfall, I guess, in some way. I was trying to think of something and I I think the best I came up with came up with was microplastics i think about microplastics a lot i yeah but what to think about them i mean that wow. they're either a problem and you're screwed or or they're not and they're occupying a lot of your brain that doesn't need to be spent on it well, i'm just thinking about it in the future is this like will this be the new form of carbon dating it's like before microplastics or after microplastics <laughs> if it really is that big of a problem which i mean in, i'm inclined to think it is i just have no idea if it's like impacting my health or not That was a good diversion. I I should have expected that. You're very online. I underestimated, you know, with how busy you are, like your your general awareness of of memes and stuff right now. So it didn't. Claire's number one hobby before bed is to scroll through TikTok, and (laughs) I will take my five to ten minutes to scroll through her TikTok with her. (laughs) That's a good couples activity. Also on the news front, I don't know if you saw this, but we won a Tezos Community Award. I did see this, but I'm not quite sure how do, how do we redeem this award. And also, thank you, Calico Jack, for nominating us. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Calico who got this started. I, I vaguely remember it like four to six weeks ago, seeing a tweet. I can't imagine, to be honest, that many people vote <laughs> in this at all. So I assume that maybe maybe dozens of people rallied to vote for us. We, we did try once back in like the third or fifth month of the show, if you remember, like to get some community fervor around the show and I nominated us myself, mm-hmm. but never heard anything from the people who run that. And to be honest, we haven't heard anything <laughs> since that tweet. So I don't know if there is a prize or if there's any follow up here, but hey, pretty cool to be recognized. Yeah, definitely. And we won officially the influencer award. So you can put that on your resume and smoke it. <laughs> Next time I'm looking for a job and I decide to update my LinkedIn, I'll put award-winning Tezos influencer. I do have it in my my resume. I, I will just need to add the award-winning. It's on the blockchain. Well, it will be once, if and when we get paid a reward. So yeah. <laughs> or an award. It's crazy. I love it. Forever memorialized. Uh, speaking of on the blockchain, have you heard about friend tech? I heard about friend tech for the very first time today. When I logged into Discord and saw you and others talking about friend tech. <laughs> In particular, how bad it is. <laughs> I didn't hear that part. I, I just oh. heard that friend tech this airdrops, you're going to get massively rich. So that was the sarcasm, I oh. think, from people who are checking this out. What is it? Explain this to me. I'll do my best. So I think okay. this is an attempt at doing a on-chain or pseudo on-chain social network. I wouldn't call it a Twitter competitor. Because it's kind of the opposite of Twitter, where you really can't grow your following beyond a certain point, and there's no like public aspect to the posts that you make. So you make an account, you have to fund it as part of the process. It's on the base chain, and you have keys. So keys like memberships, when you make your account, you automatically buy your own key, 
and your key is basically like a private chat room. And then anyone who buys your key now has rights to like post into your chat room. Only you can see the posts coming from the people who own your keys, but everyone who has a key of yours can see your replies back. So it's kind of like sometimes non sequitur things being said where you might be typing a reply to someone, but you don't know what they wrote. And none of this is in a public feed. So like if I don't own your key and you're typing stuff, I'll never find you. I'll never see any content that you're posting. So I guess like the high level idea is for you to take to create in the same way that we do like token gated discords or, you know, actually like this is a native thing that's on Twitter right now. You can pay to subscribe to people who have like private Twitter accounts. And then if you pay, you get their tweets. And if you don't pay, you don't get them. Now, the crypto aspect of this First of all, the three three meme is back. <laughs> if you remember, if you don't, if you're not going to be too oh, triggered. Oh, I am remember and am yeah. triggered. Yes, three three. Three three is back because aside from the fact that there's like a whole speculating on keys and, and buying and selling and trading these keys, where people are making money that way, there's also an airdrop incentive supposedly coming where at the end of every week they check to see how many keys you're holding. I guess you get bonus points or something for holding keys longer and not getting rid of them. So hoarding keys, you get more airdrop points. And when the airdrop comes, then you can cash out, right? So that's kind of the 3-3 side of it, which is like staking, right? You don't ever want to sell your own stake. You just want to keep it staked. And if everyone just keeps it staked, everyone's bags are going to go up. Similarly here, if everyone just only buys keys and doesn't sell keys, then we're all going to accrue a lot of these airdrop points and we're all going to get rich through that. Uh Uh-huh. The other wonky thing about it is the way the keys work. So they're not NFTs. I'm actually not sure what kind of token standard they're using to track the keys because the platform itself is so janky. It doesn't do a good job like showing you really what's going on. But they're bought and sold along a bonding curve. So you can buy a key and sell a key without ever having a counterparty. The counterparty is friend tech itself. Wait, just to be clear, when you're buying a key... You're buying somebody's key. Like if I'm buying a key, I can choose to buy your key. I can choose to buy Ken Consumer's key. I can choose to buy Daniel King's key. I'm not just buying a generic key. Right. You're buying a key from a particular person. So you have to- With infinite supply? It's an infinite supply, but the way that they kind of gate it is that they price it along a bonding curve, which in this case is, is relatively steep. So think of something that's kind of parabolic where it kind of starts and it's creeping up and it's like 0.001, 0.002. 0.003 ETH to buy these keys, but then that slope of that line starts getting more and more aggressive the more and more keys are out there. And so later on, the incremental key might cost like an extra 0.1 ETH instead of an extra 0.001 ETH or even an extra half an ETH or an extra ETH, right? The, fir- the more keys that are out there that people have tried to buy, the more expensive they progressively get. And so there are some people who have, for whatever reason, a lot of people have bought their keys and it might cost you like 8 ETH to go buy one of their keys. The counterpart to this is that you can always sell a key into the curve as well. So if the current floor price for the next key is 8 ETH, you can sell your key into the curve at that price and it'll like bump it down to the tier below. So you don't actually need someone willing to provide you liquidity to dump your keys if you feel like you're in profit. It might sound really interesting and intriguing based on how I explained it, but it's actually terrible. No, it doesn't (laughs) sound interesting. My number one question is why? Why is also my second question. Not to be bearish on it, but it does seem to be like a glorified real money game for people who don't have much more to do. I think so. I think it's just the next place that DGENs are going to gamble and trade. For instance, the second I made an account, immediately three of my cheapest keys got bought by a bot. 
because they essentially cost them like probably less than a, a dollar or in, in aggregate, like less than $5 to buy it. That person's probably trying to hoard keys cheaply for the airdrop. And then if they just happen to buy anyone who ends up appreciating a lot, then they can like find their more expensive keys and sell those into the curve if they want. So that's already kind of weird. But yeah, I think it's really just people playing with the economic incentive. Anyone who says that this is like a legit thing, I just honestly don't believe you. Like it took me almost an hour to get it set up. It's extremely janky. It's not accessible. The app is not even an app. It's like a weird way of capturing a web page and putting it onto your iPhone. Like it's an app, but it's not actually an app. It's got so many issues with it, but I tried it for the sake of trying it so that I could dump on it and say that I, you know, at least tried it. (laughs) So is this the future of Twitter? One way replies outside of context is this how we're living our life now? No. <laughs> I don't oh, think so. Okay. It seems like just an awful, horrible idea. It really seems like it only exists so that the few people who made this app thing can make money and so that people can kind of degen and trade on it. And then probably after the airdrop happens, if it happens, everyone will lose interest in it and they'll cash out and it'll die. Like that would be my guess. The only kind of cool thing about it, I guess, is like this instant liquidity of the bonding curve and the fact that since they're not using NFTs and they're using some other kind of token to track these keys, as far as I can tell, the royalties are like 100% enforceable. Whenever you buy or sell a key, friend tech gets 2.5% and the person whose key you're trading gets 2.5%. And I don't think there's a way actually to get around that. So that's that's kind of nice because obviously that's a big problem on the NFT side, being able to take those things off of a marketplace and avoiding those fees. I think that part is definitely something to look into. If their next major uh, feature that they're roadmapping is something akin to blur farming. So that way you can both 3-3 your keys while also trying to mid-max the points at which you (laughs) sell them for losses. I think that could be really interesting. Yeah. It's very bizarre. I just don't understand the idea of having a social network where discoverability is non-existent. And you actually can't grow your following because it's so expensive for people. Like once you get to like a hundred followers, the price starts to get seriously expensive. It's like the hundreds or even thousands of dollars to add someone to your room. So I just think that that whole idea of it doesn't make sense. So to me, it just seems like it just reduces to, to gambling. But it's just kind of funny because like the reason I became aware of this is that right now on ETH, friend tech volume exceeds all NFT volume. That's why this is a thing that people are talking about. There is money being made. People are degening pretty hard into it. And there's a lot of people pretending that it's actually a legit technology and that you should join it and like follow them and that you'll get real value from doing it, which I, I don't believe. Well, technically it is legitimate. Is it symbolically or from a feelings perspective legitimate? Sounds like not. But <laughs> no. <laughs> maybe that's a good segue into other friend, real life friends. You went to LA, you got dinner with a good friend of the podcast, Jaris. We met up on Thursday night before I went back. The prophecy came true. We went somewhere super nice. And I even offered at the very end, I was like, you know, I was just kind of joking. We can split it up if you want. But no, Jaris got the bill. But then I did get, we went somewhere for drinks after and I did pick that up. But uh, unfortunately, because of my introversion and also the time difference, I just ended up going home at like 8.30 anyways. I mean, you do that on the East Coast too. So. I do that all the time. I don't <laughs> need an excuse. But it was really fun. The restaurant was amazing. We went to this place called Bavel or Bavel. And it's right in kind of like the arts district, fun, hipper part of downtown LA. 
the food was amazing. The wine was great. The cocktails were great. And just the vibe was super nice. It was a beautiful space. LA, the weather was amazing. It was actually the first time I went to LA where I had really good food that wasn't Japanese. So that was a big Mm. win on this trip. Yeah, it sounds like you loved it. And any good alpha that you can share post Art Blocks Alpha? On the art side, we talked about a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. But mostly we talked discipline and patience and not rushing things out. <laughs> Drez was pretty prolific, right? A lot of uh, early FX hash work. And they put out a lot of stuff even you know towards the end of last year, the beginning of this year. So I think it's just kind of like, hey, savor the moment. Don't rush yourself. But also, I think that there's a lot of appetite to do more stuff. So we'll, we'll see. I think Jerez said, said as much in the episode where they guest hosted too, that there's going to be stuff coming to FX Hash still this year, and they're not going to abandon the platform. So be on the lookout, that's especially the on-chain hear. stuff. I bet there will be an on-chain Jerez drop ready to go when that's launched. 100%. Did they give any signifier as to if they would drop more depending on the market? Does the market play into a release? I don't want to put too many words into the Jerez mouth here, but I think it's just going to be more about when projects are ready and what seems interesting and exciting and opportunities, right? So as you can imagine with Artblock's success, DMs get a little more crowded. There might be more people coming and saying, hey, can you do something for me here? So it's just going to be about discipline and figuring out which of those are great opportunities and which of those can be put on the back burner and maybe held till later. That sounds beautiful. Uh, Next time I'll join you. Should we head over to donations before uh, hitting up some of the uh, other topics, trends, releases of the week? Yeah, let's do some donations. We actually have some interesting ones this week. So Trinity, take it away. All right. Starting from the top, White Koala gifted us a Thoughtscapes. Leander Herzog gave us a very generous Tesno donation. So thank you very much, Lenny. Obi did a fantastic thing for us, which was to include us on the Structura contract, which is for artists, such a lovely thing for you to do. It's so appreciated. Our crypto noises blow up. It's just the sweetest thing. So thank you so much. Obi, you're such a big supporter. We really appreciate you, man. And then last but not least, Little Mikey also included us on the project EVJ E541. Another like pretty cool pop art project that came out yesterday. Thank you for including us on the contract. Great donations. Much appreciated. Topics and trends, I wrote down what do we do if Twitter dies as an extension of the friend tech segment because I don't know if you also saw that Elon announced that they were going to potentially start charging everyone to use Twitter. Good luck with that, man. Yeah. And it made me think, like, obviously, I don't believe that friend tech will be the thing, but what happens if Twitter dies? Like, I feel like that's where everything is. Like, I'll jump back over to Facebook. Oh, man. I haven't had a Facebook account in so long. I don't want to start that up again. It kind of just feels like it would be Discord. Yeah, kind of. I think that Discord works for the NFT community for sure. But if I'm thinking about what happens to all the other communities, art communities, fandom communities, news communities, I don't think Discord is going to be the place where you hear the latest and greatest from Anderson Cooper. That's true. I can see that being a Facebook, potentially a Threads, probably not Mastodon. Mastodon seems too complicated, even if it is the purest solution to it all. Or Google could get back into the social game. Wasn't there like a... Google They've wave. had a couple of different <laughs> wave was so disappointing. Wave is actually yeah. kind of an interesting precursor to Notion in some respects. Right, if you think about it like that, yeah, it is kind of like very organized in that sense. Yeah, but like they had um like Google Plus, that was the thing. 
oh, was that a social network? I can't even I know, remember. it tried. <laughs> yeah, it tried. I think they gave up after three weeks. They abandon those projects pretty quickly when they don't work out. I hate to think about what would happen because I have my Twitter war room all set up with TweetDeck with all my different columns and like just I feel so locked in on my Twitter workflow and it's such a critical resource for me from a news and just staying on top of things standpoint that if it went away, like I couldn't imagine switching to threads or Mastodon and having to try to rebuild the experience I have. So I, I truly hope that this guy just gives up on the experiment and sells the company to someone else who will stop messing with it. <laughs> I think probably too much damage done too late. But in addition to Discord for our little community here, I can see Instagram being coming out like a really big safe haven because a lot of the fervor around what we see is a tie to artists for the most part mm-hmm. or collectors, like big collectors. And you would still be able to get that same level of social sharing and interaction, but always in conjunction to a work in progress or a big piece that they'd recently collected. And so I think there's a really interesting play to make it more of the visual game. They have like quick content hits too with their, uh, what do they call it? The stories, right? Yeah. So that could work for news and you can go live on Instagram. So it does have a lot of that functionality. I think if you're just like kind of a lay person and you just want to say like, hey, latest episode this week, here's the link really doesn't work for that. But when it comes to artist engagement, collector engagement, I think it does really well. All right. Well, let's let's keep Instagram in the back pocket then. I'll <laughs> start Instagramming again. Yeah. You also wrote down here Unit London. What did you want to talk about here in particular with this? Uh, we talked about Unit London a couple of weeks ago in conjunction with a, quickly, checks notes, Unbound Ecology in the Age of Machines. We talked about it five or six weeks ago. It was part of the Ecologius Marcello right, yeah. thing. A one okay. of one by Ivona Tao, 12 one ones by Che Yu Wu. And I think that we were hearing about it more or less after the fact. And again, that was really in relation to Marcello. Right. Those projects just appeared in the queue on FX Hash. Yeah. <laughs> we were like, what but is this? Here we go again with not just another great exhibition featuring Iskra. Elsif, Olga Fredina, but there's also an FX Hash live minting experience coming up, which is pretty cool. I'm assuming like some or all of it will be on FX Hash. Like I think they've promoted that Iskra's piece will be on FX Hash, but I would guess that like Olga F would be in Elsif as well. So awesome to see like people using FX Hash as that layer zero kind of platform, right, to launch these events off of and, and make use of the live minting tools they've developed. Did you read much about the Iskra piece? It's the only one that I feel like they've really shared a lot of info for yeah, it, that I saw. So it's in many ways, it's a follow-up to what she did on Tonic, Escape. Yeah, this one is super cool in the way that it actually animates, mm-hmm. blows up. And Iskra posted this really long thread actually describing the relationship it has to like a particular movie that I had never heard of, but I probably should know about, uh, mm-hmm. called Zabriskie Point. What's the end of the bang and explosion? And but yeah, I, I definitely see the connection to escape and the way these forms are kind of drawn. But there's this now added element of animation and coming apart that yeah is super cool. And again, really working in that same monochromatic colorscape that she just does so well and so cleanly, and that she's really well known for. Mm-hmm. And then also, if you read the Twitter thread, there's kind of like an interesting symbology with the first piece of this loosely formed series, Escape. And this is the second one, which Edno is the Bulgarian pronunciation for one. Mm -hmm. 
And so I think that it implies much more to come and just continued evolution on this sort of beautiful design framework. I think that is a, a series and body of work. It just seems outstanding. Be exciting to see, especially if it continues to release an FX hash. I'd, I'd love to see it there, but I have a feeling it would probably be extended through a lot of similar exhibits and platforms like this. I'm just scrolling unit London now. And the only other piece that I see that seems to have any images that they're promoting is for Olga's piece, which looks very cool. They retweeted a, a couple from just the other day. Those look pretty sweet, but I haven't seen anything of the LSIF or the Gallo. Oh, it's all live minting, presumably all from FX Ash. It's really cool to see how Unit London, it's kind of not a verse, it's not an FX Hash. It's kind of in between, but there's such a strong curatorial lens placed on their exhibitions. I can't think of another group within the space that is doing it quite this well. Obviously, Verse, but Verse is also a platform. Right. For Verse is a little more focused on like consistent sales and, and providing just like a, a marketplace as well. And Unit London is kind of just... Yeah, definitely the closest thing we have to like a digital gallery, I guess. Web3 is just a portion of the what they show. They Most of their exhibitions are non-NFT and across multiple mediums. So I think that this is another really great opportunity to jump cross people over across the uh, divide. It would also be very interesting to speak to them. Yeah, we should add them to the list. You know, speaking of interviews coming up, we're talking to another person hopefully next week that will be covering that topic quite a bit. Uh, crossover between trad art and web three. So are you excited for that convo? I'm very excited. Now or should we wait until we actually record it? <laughs> we'll wait till we record it. Who do you think it is? Get at us in the comments. Actually, you should buy one of my keys on FriendTech and then you can tell me directly who you think it is. But they won't be able to see your response. They will see my response. Other people won't be able to see their response. That's, ah. it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> it's a social network where you can only see half the messages. Anyways, enough ragging on FriendTech. FriendTech is the future. If you listen and you happen to be involved, reach out. We would love to talk to someone from that team and learn more about what you all are doing. But with that, let's start talking about some art. We've got quite a bit to talk about across top projects and shout outs and looking ahead. I had one pickup this week, which is also one of our top projects. I bought a Resonanza, the tender collab with White Cross. I got number 252 on offer. I threw out a 40 Tez offer on it. I think it was listed for like 55 or something. I wanted one of those like really nice, clean white background with a lot of colors on it and got it, you know, patience. I waited about what, like a week or so for the market to settle down. You had the prediction last time about what you thought were going to be the pallets that were on the floor. Do you feel vindicated more or less? Not really, because there was definitely some tweaking of the algorithm mm. and the one that I thought would be on the floor ended up being a lot less common. Should we just talk about this one more formally now? Yeah, definitely. So yeah, Resonanza 400 editions, and it was a flat, I think it was 24 Tez mm -hmm. to mint it. The typical tender pass dynamic where for the first hour, pass holders have rights to mint, and then it opened up to the public, minted out very quickly. I minted my one with my reserve, and then by the time I came back to it, like 10 minutes after it opened to the public, I missed my chance to make yeah, the I second one. I think it was one. a six-minute mint, so pretty fast these days. Yeah, so it was awesome to see that momentum kind of riding from Ruckaplong, the last tender collab. And it's pretty sick. I mean, my opinion about it hasn't changed. I think this is an excellent collab and a great project. I agree with everything there. And 
you know, even just looking at some of the pieces that are on the floor, like there's really great variety. You know, I think some of the ones that are more of the standard reds and blues tend to be a little bit there more so than the other color palettes, which is fair. Some of them are really cool. Looking at the floor ones, uh, things that stand out include number 112, which is 45 Tez. It has what I believe is a, well, I guess it's not a super, palette is the only trait on these, but it has kind of like a, like a dithered effect. Yeah, I think there are some hidden rare features in here mm-hmm. that aren't surface. So yeah, it does have something weird going on with its look. I love that. And I also love 266, which is for sale by Ferdinand Dervaux, which feels quite unlike all the other ones. Most of these have like that drapey, almost fabric feel of like things being split apart and coming together. And this one feels much more patchwork. It looks outstanding. It looks very different compared to a lot of the other pieces near the floor and could be a really great pickup. Yeah, I agree. That one's nice. And I like the palette there too, palette two, which I think Mm -hmm. is on the rarer side as far as palettes. I've seen some of them are as common as like 17 or 18%. And this one's only four and a half percent. And it is just a very nice expression there. I'll also shout out number 309, which I think has some of that same rare feature in how it's being kind of dithered or warped. And it's one of the rare ones where it's on on like a more colorful background where I actually really like it. So I think both of us, when we were playing with this generator, we were seeing them with those darker backgrounds and having a hard time like contrasting, like even right now, like number 126, for example, on the floor where you're getting a lot of red on top of red. And I feel like it's, it's kind of hard to see the contrast and Mm -hmm. it just doesn't pop the way that some of these others do. So I wasn't vibing with some of these darker background expressions that much, but 309 being a lighter blue and then just great diversity of color with that weird rare effect on top. That one really stands out for me as well. Yeah. I think this is just a really great project. I think we can definitely say, maybe I don't want to put words into your will mouth, but if this were came out at a different time, a different market, especially given how the tender reserve mechanism has uh, evolved to be a little bit more friendly towards non-pass holders... I think this could have been one that could have easily blown up past 100 Tez onto the secondary, assuming it maintained the same primary price. It's fantastic. I love it. I agree. I mean, and honestly, for it to have as many listed, there's still over 100 lists on the secondary, but it's holding above floor price. You know, people like me are still going back and picking them up and finding ones that we want to get. So it's a pretty strong showing in this current market, for sure. And honestly, it got a shout out by Cross for having a great year too. Like, not only you know with Resonanza, but I really, really liked Unbound earlier this year, right around the beginning of the year, if I remember correctly. And then their Alba drop was like one of the favorites that I've seen on Alba so far, too. Yeah. And even just coming off of their strengths from last year with the um, This Week series, those three drops were all incredible. Some of my favorite from last year. Doesn't it feel like we could see White Cross jump over into like a verse or like an art blocks potentially at some point. Hell yeah. I'm feeling it for them. Same. Strong same. The next logical step, of course, is to do a collab with us. And then that, as we know, locks up art blocks curated for you. So guaranteed. We are the stepping stone. Yeah, we are the Do we have art blocks connections? I don't no. know, do we? <laughs> I, I know we don't. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Resonanza, great drop. Uh where should we go next? Do you want to talk distance or do you want to talk Maya Man? Let's talk distance. You know, we'll we'll continue with like more of the abstracted side before getting into our interview shilling. William Epan released distance last week via LACMA, 
I wasn't clear about the drop mechanics on that. Perhaps you could fill the audience in, or I guess you can fill me in. All I know is that it minted out at two ETH. There was pass holding involved and that it was a very nervous 24 hours or so for people waiting to see if they could get into the public. Yeah, I do not know what the full story is any better than I did the last time we talked about this, which is like, I think that there were some, there were like a, a few tiers of preferential minters with formal reserves for people who held a lot of the previous Cactoid Labs, LACMA stuff. And then I know at one point William added people who held dragons in his other work. So that must have been like an over-reserve section of the list. And then anything that was left at the end would have been for the public. So, But I don't know all the little details of how you qualified for each individual step. It was a flat price piece, I believe, to ETH. And it was 250 total. I don't know if it got to the public or not, but it did mint out. And people have been talking about it all over the place. William has been all over the place talking about it. He's been on Collector's Corner for a Spaces with Lady Cactoid and on our friend Ken's show, opening the, the new season, Arbitrarily Deterministic. So you can learn a lot about this project from either of those two podcasts. And you know, if we play our cards right, we might be having William on soon too as well. So he's out there making the rounds, talking about this stuff. Why don't you tell me your reactions? What do you think about it? So reading through some of the commentary and discourse around it, a lot of it, you can't really look at this piece uh, without also looking at, I think, Papan's upcoming verse drop that we haven't seen that much from, but they take totally different forms of abstraction. So distance is based off of Paul Klee's abstract drawings and you know watercolors versus the upcoming verse drops stronger take on... Yeah, he actually says it in, uh, I think it was in Ken's show. It's inspired by some crayon drawings he did as a child. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that he went back to his, his family home somewhat recently and saw a picture he he drew in crayon and was like, that's really good. I should try to do that in code. <laughs> and this is where yeah. he's ended up, which and it looks cool. Yeah. And I, I think that this one looks cool as well. Based off of the very limited works in progress I've seen, I have a preference for the verse drop. But I think that some of like the outstanding outputs from distance, they truly look fantastic and are outstanding. I unfortunately yeah. think that the floor is literally muddied up by muted color palettes, a lot of yellow, a lot of browns, a lot of beige. And this is, I think, one of the pitfalls and dangers of generative art overall, is that you need to make the standard piece more appealing rather than making the good ones rare. In my mind, like an artist like William, you'd have to assume that he really likes the greens and the browns. And I think the origin of this piece actually had like no color. It was like just like whites and off whites. So probably by comparison to where he started, this feels like it's got a ton of color diversity and interesting palettes. But no, I, I agree. Like my kind of reaction to seeing a lot of the early images that he shared, all of these greens and browns, like I really don't care for them. I, I actually downloaded a bunch of them to put them on the frame to see if having them like up bigger would mm -hmm. make me feel better about them. And it, it didn't. I tried to specifically pick some of those floor pieces too, right? The more green ones and get them up. And I do quite like the more colorful expressions for sure. And even the ones that kind of come off more pastel and have a good mix of like these greens and browns and with other colors can be really nice to look at. But a lot of these, if I had minted them, I would have just kind of been like, all right, well, I'll try to sell that and hope I can flip it into a different palette. I don't know what to make of it. I mean, technically it looks like it's a great piece as far as the code goes. I just, I'm not sold yet for myself, for my own tastes on, on the colors chosen here. Looking through the feature breakdown on palette, it's looking like some of the more interesting palettes are 
literally half as common or, or half as represented as some of the other ones. And I think that really, to me, the, the palette that stands out is Paris. There are only nine Paris palettes in, in the full collection. Yeah, I'm just looking at like the four most common palettes here right now. And none of these would be ones that I'd be super yeah. happy with. As you get down the pecking order, I think they become slightly more interesting. But again, I think for me, the Paris palette is the one that stands out with its very diverse and, you know, many colors. Mm -hmm. And perhaps that is making a commentary around Paris versus other parts of France. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, the contrast between living in the country and living in the city. I mean, I will say, so this is supposed to be kind of like an abstraction of a landscape, but a landscape viewed top down. Mm-hmm. Flying back from LA, I had a window seat flying over the middle of the country. I saw this. I mean, I know what he's going for here, 100%. Like when you get over certain parts of the country, and I'm sure it's the same in any country where there's like large swaths of farmable land, mm -hmm. that you do get these massive tracks of like squares and rectangles and honestly, like a surprising amount of circles. I was trying to figure out what's the deal with all these circles. So Aliens. I get it. I get what he's going for, but. I, there is a, like a dramatic difference between seeing it from a plane in that moment being like, oh, that's cool. That's curious. Like, wow. Like, look at the way humans have like enforced geometry onto the the land and made this stuff. But at the end of the day, when it comes down to like putting something on your wall, right? I don't know. I guess that's kind of the difference between like a piece that I might like on my wall versus a piece that I might like in a museum or like understand in the context of a museum yeah. perhaps. You know, I think like looking through the feature set a little bit more and, you know, just doing some more on the fly research because we are very professional here at Waiting to be Signed. Um, you know, looking at the scape feature where you get into countryside, suburb, city are mixed. You know, mm -hmm. I think that narrative does actually really come through just in the way that things are subdivided and have different levels of detail. So I appreciate that about this piece quite a bit. I think that it says a lot. And I just still think that Mapana is probably one of top tier generative artists of our Definitely. time. Yeah. And, you know, I think just as a collector, I just would be disappointed with some of the color palettes as a collector, but that's where you go with the AJ Bernie mint to sell to buy one you like <laughs> method yeah. or just wait for the secondary rather than roll that crazy primary die. This number 202 which is pretty close to the floor. It's like maybe eighth or 10th off the floor is a nice pastel palette here. The Chilliers palette. It's a countryside. And I put this one up on the frame. And it looks great. Like I like these gentle colors. They vibe nicely. And you do still get some of those like greens and nods towards nature, I guess, but it just, it just looks nicer on the wall. It just, that's what it comes down to, to me. Yeah, ultimately. I can definitely see that. You know, unfortunately, as a subculture, we are looking at things on screens of various sizes and very small sizes. Like, mm -hmm. it's the thumbnail, which is just, it's criminal, the way that we consume this. That's why I was like, well, let me see how I feel on the, on the frame. And they yeah. are kind of like in that landscape format already, so they fit it better than most pieces, but yeah. still too much green for me. <laughs> and also holding a floor of... 2.09 ETH as of right Not now. Bad. So yeah. above mint price, which is pretty good in this market. Pretty good. I feel like if we go go back and re-listen to the segment we just did with William in prep for the potential interview, we could come up with some very good uh, questions and topics for him. We'll figure out some, some pretty tactful ways 
<laughs> to ask them to. I've already got some strategies in my head. So, <laughs> all right, let's talk about Maya Man. I'm feeling lucky. The first solos exhibit. Obviously, we had our interview with Maya a couple of weeks back. Like all interviews, one of my favorite interviews. <laughs> we we say all our interviews are our favorite interviews. They just get better and so better. Far. It's yeah. not saying that the older ones were bad. They just keep on getting even better. Yes. I really enjoyed talking to Maya and learning more about her work. And this was a super <laughs> anxiety-ridden ride for me watching this because I did not understand how this auction worked. And I was like panicking. I don't know. I'm sure you weren't watching it because you were busy I was watching it a little bit. I did see work. your panic tweet or you like your panic message being like, oh my gosh, it's just going to stick at a dollar. Oh my God. But yeah, because they didn't, I feel like they didn't advertise that this is like a five day auction, however long it was. The timer got down to like 10 minutes at one point and it didn't even have half enough bids to fill out the minimum mints. I had balance in my account. I started like throwing out bids. So like, oh my God, is this thing going to like... Like, what is this? And then all of a sudden the timer shot up to six hours. I had no idea why. And it just stayed that, that way for like three days. So very, very confusing. It worked out. Of course, it minted out. <laughs> Thank goodness. I think and around like $146, cool something like that. I think it was around that. None of my bids made it. <laughs> they got Same. outbid. So that's when I was like, okay, phew, you know. Crisis averted. And I think reading through messages and just the discourse around it, it seems like the desire from Maya was to have it actually last substantially longer. Mm. But I guess good things have to come to an end. So there was the cap by verse. But I think that definitely two things that were apparent is one, the extension time, which I think was 666 minutes, 366 minutes. Yeah, there was a lot of angel numbers involved in this. <laughs> yeah. Which makes sense. A, yep. Just really just completing the artistic statement through a very time-based minting process. Really appreciate it. And I don't know if you noticed this when you were putting in your offers, but the hover state on the button to submit your bid changed to, I'm feeling lucky. I which did is notice just, that. From a product design point of view, and just it's chef's kiss, fantastic. Verse can do very little to no wrong at this point. I'm just scrolling through now, looking at some of the outputs that people got. Again, these are not pre-curated. They're all entirely random. Some of them are as simple as just one word uh, and a few design elements on there. Some of them are just like covered in text and numbers. It's a project that you have to kind of know the context of it. And if you look at this and you don't get it, I highly encourage you to go back and listen to the episode with Maya and understand more what her work is about. Oh, yeah. Wow. Number number 74 just says, you are intellectual. <laughs> Hell yeah. That's the one that we should try to get. Which one is it? Sorry, you cut out. Sorry. Number 74. You are intellectual. You know, I think as a part of this, you know, and also part of the interview process, her art blocks curated drop, fake it till you make it, I think also got a bit of traction. I looked at it in more detail, especially after the interview. And I think this whole body of work between this and are you feeling like lucky? I think the the singular word to describe it is vibes. It's definitely vibes. And I'm here for it. And we're here for Maya. Excited to see what she comes up with next. You know, work like this, I think, takes a long time to percolate and figure out how to get it exactly right and, and what you're trying to express in the moment. So glad that we got to have her on. Mm-hmm. And congrats to Verse on just, you know, bringing another cool artist and project to their solos platform. All right. A lot to shout out here. Do you want to start with the Params projects? There's some cool stuff. 
Yeah. Should we start off with FX Pottery? We already mentioned it today once. Yeah. I tried making exactly one of these and I kind of just ended up with like a thin rail of clay that I didn't know how to <laughs> how to fix. So yeah, what was your experience with it? This is by Killed by a Pixel. Frank Force, gotta love him, makes some of the most fun projects on the platform, if not always the most successful on the primary or secondary. I thought this was a really fun project. Um, I don't know if you have experienced throwing clay. Not in a long time. Yeah. But I get it. Intellectually, I get it. <laughs> did you make one? I did not make one. I played around oh. with it when it came out, just in the params and... I agree with you that getting some of the more funky sculptures definitely seems like an art. I'm looking at number 29, which is done by Tazumi. And you know, like there's like that thing that you always see right. as like an optical illusion where it's, is the it a vase or faces, is it two yeah. faces? Yeah. There has to be some sort of like stylus work done there in order to get that effect. Mm -hmm. Same thing with number 32, where it's just, I don't know how you would get that sort of effect. Yeah, crazy. I mean, some people clearly figured it out and put the time in to make this work, which I really appreciate. Yeah, and some people definitely made like a lot of phallic shapes, which is mm -hmm. perfectly fine too. Encouraged even. It's encouraged. You heard it here <laughs> first. Yeah. But I think much like pottery, this goes to show that the more time you spend with it and the more you hone your craft, the better your output will be. I wonder if there is a one-to-one um, -a -one skill translation at all between actual potting and... Um, being able to create an effective pottery <laughs> project. It can't hurt. You know who made a lot of these is Zancan across both his wallets. I haven't even seen that. Yeah. Number one, three, five, six, nine, and 12, all green, of course. A variety of fruit-shaped and um, oh, yeah. potentially phallic-shaped ah. objects in there, expressing some creativity. This project, by the way, was uh, it's a 1,000 pieces, 116 have been minted, and then the token was disabled it's going to come back in a couple of weeks. There, I guess there's some issue on the back end or something with the code. So I don't know if that means it's actually going to get like just closed and, and reminted for the remaining 900-ish or if there'll be a way to reopen this. But if you missed, don't worry. And you're checking it out. Like you'll have an opportunity. You can probably even practice on the token as it sits now. You can. And when it gets reopened, you'll be ready to go. And this is for the FX Hackathon. So that's a cool submission there and honestly like a super creative i had never thought that someone could make something like this with this kind of input for fx hash yeah kbap love you on that same uh line we have anfractious by landlines art another thousand edition piece 11 tez about half minted at this point an fx pramps piece from landlines that is kind of like a more structured version of the piece that alejandro made oh i was actually going to go with dan cat with the first perms project it's kind of like a mix of the two right it looks more like dan's because it's like looks like yeah. a, those potable pieces but from the way that you actually get to like draw it and participate in the creation it's more like alejandro's piece which inspired the hackathon to begin with so have you played with this one it's it's not I as have. easy as it looks actually no, to get it, it working. it is really hard and I, you can read the instructions there are some pretty lengthy instructions but i think what is the craziest is like you can do a lot of things based off of the instructions, but if you start hitting like the random roll, mm -hmm. you get some crazy ass shapes because it just, instead of creating like the five to 10 points that we as lazy humans might make, if you click the random, it could create hundreds of points and just create these crazy structures, kind of like what you see in number two 
where it just completely fills the page. Yeah, I could imagine that was someone doing something random or just clicking at random in yeah, kind true. of like progressive spirals. Someone was ready to go with number one, <laughs> by the way. So someone was ready for this project and rushed to mint that. In fact, I don't know if you saw that piece sold for 420 Tez from the person who minted it. Classic. Yeah. So I actually don't know if that was like a self-trade just for the meme or if someone actually was willing to sh- put up that much money for a another phallus, I guess. <laughs> But did you uh, did you mint any of these? I actually minted a couple. It took me a while to get comfortable using the drawing tool. It's a little finicky with the curves and how it sometimes yeah, moves. Yeah, I minted two tickets, but was then really reminded how much I detest the ticket expiration system <laughs> with attacks that FX Hash set up for params projects. Uh, just because I know that those tickets are going to expire because I haven't had time to play around and find something that I really like. Luckily for you, it's still open to mint, so people probably won't snipe your tickets. If the ticket gets low enough, they might, right? Doesn't it just default to the mint price? I don't know. I don't know either. <laughs> I, I think, think it it's does. probably moot either way unless the project gets burned. But I yeah. really appreciate these experimental params projects that have 1,000 additions. Exactly. And, and it makes you feel like you don't have to rush. You know, it didn't mint out. It wasn't at risk of minting out. But, you know, maybe, maybe at the height of FX hash, this, this could have minted out like over... 10 or 20 blocks, right? Being a cheaper landlines piece and people want to do it. But in this market, a thousand pieces at that price point, like you know that it's probably going to mint out over an extended period of time, giving a lot of people opportunities to play with it. I really appreciate it. I mean, it's it's definitely a challenging piece to work with, especially once you kind of lock in on a shape that you like. To me, the hardest part, once I got comfortable with the drawing of it, was actually finding like palettes that I liked. Mm-hmm. I think there's like 20 something palettes in here. And for the pieces that I've drawn, at least almost all of the palettes, I just didn't think looked really good with the ways, with the with the shapes I was making. Mm-hmm. So some people here have come up with some creative things using palettes I wouldn't have picked, but I found myself gravitating towards those, what we would call classic landlines palettes and going for just like more structured, filling the screen, trying to really create something that feels like it could have been a landmines piece potentially. Let me see if I can shout out a piece that I was happy with. And while you're looking at that, I think it's also important to note that it's not just as simple as picking a palette. There are a ton of different parameters on this, including the chance of a background color, the chance that a color might change through different parts of the subdivisions. Like there's a lot around the subdividing of the cells that make up the lines and so there's a lot of depth and nuance to this particular project. Also, it's worth noting that this is not a fully deterministic token. So at the very end, when you mint, it's not a what you see is what you get. So that to me is like the extra layer. And if you look at some people who have minted like four or five in a row with the same design because they didn't really get what they wanted. And that was kind of with the two that I came up with where I really liked what I drew. Number 307 came out the best where I came up with like a cool design. I think that filled the whole page that I really wanted to just get some of those cool colors out. Some of the ones that I flipped in creation looked way better than what I ended up getting, but I'm still pretty happy with this. But then like by comparison, I tried to do something similar with number 298 and I just ended up getting a very monocolored output, which is not at all what it was looking like the majority of the time when I was playing with it. So very much a traditional FX params type of piece in that sense. And kind of a sidebar to the project itself, 
now that we've had a couple of fully fixed params projects and then some of the deter- like non-deterministic params projects in addition to the verse curated outputs has this particular drop has it cemented your take at all or influenced how you feel about it I mean, I would say for this, considering how much work <laughs> it goes into kind of learning it and making something that you like and you draw a curve and you have to move it around and it's it's a little finicky. I probably would have preferred it to be fully deterministic at the end because sometimes I'd sit there like drawing for 20 minutes and then to have to roll the dice on getting one that I really liked is kind of a bummer. But with how many dials and sliders there are in this to add that kind of like seeds thing also might have just been a whole other layer of complexity that would have been too difficult. I had three seeds. I think I would have preferred it here, but at the same time, I appreciate that this is like very much like the original intent of prams, mm-hmm. right? And you do and get more a lot fun of than collector curated in many respects because yeah. there is that hands-on. It's time-consuming, but I know know that people spent a ton of time <laughs> rolling for their Eric Swan's fields projects or their their cosmic rays. So yep. this is definitely more collaborative. And that's what generative art is all about. Clicking that button, collaboratively <laughs> seeing what Collaborating you through minting. Exactly. Yes. Moving on to some non-params pieces here. I wanted to shout out Zero Player Game by Ivan Dinov. Oh, this one's super cool. Yeah. So Ivan's made some cool pieces on FX Hash. In particular, I really liked Anti-Gravity, which I think came out towards... Actually, it was like in the spring of last year. So it's been a long... Actually, over a year old. That piece was a super cool project for how simple it was just kind of like this take on a packed 3d square but here we are with a project from ivan that's like another take on a game of life type of thing that just goes on infinitely when you run this thing you can drag it around and it's just like an infinite rgb (laughs) in in a way i guess and it performs incredibly well it's simple but using this as like the baseline for like some sort of game of life platformer like just imagine like You were just trying to buy your keys and stake your keys and <laughs> three through your keys while uh, moving through to this landscape. So cool. I want to say, one, reiterate once again, I do not endorse friend tech at all, but I will not get mad at anyone coming in and buying my keys. So go for it. Go nuts. Do you get 2.5% of the primary? Yeah. So farm Sick. me like crazy. Go for it. But back to zero player game. Yeah, this is super cool. And it's only one Tez. So there's over 4,000 um, mints available. For one Tez, you can mint 10 of these and you're going to find something really cool. Like my number 288, I really liked the way this one came out. It's got a very fiery quality with like a lot of implied motion with the way the lines are moving. There's a ton of cool ones in here and just one Tez. So go check it out. That's kind of it for my my shout out on this one. If you haven't minted any Trinity, I I encourage you to go for a couple. Yeah, I I have not minted much other than my landline tickets, which will expire (laughs) very shortly. Lastly, do you want to talk about Remains and shout this out? It's it's kind of like a borderline top I'm... project. It performs well when it came out, but I actually didn't pay a ton of attention to it, so I wanted to put it in shout outs at least. Yeah, I haven't paid that much attention to it either, but it is by Ecker Zero, who we last talked about in relation to Seekers, which was an absolutely killer animated project that really made waves and I think is still sitting at a decent Tez floor yeah. 70 right now. So crazy. Crazy good for Tezos. It is crazy good for Tezos. They're an artist who's been around since kind of the beginning. And I feel like before that, they made a splash with their project Heavy Light, which a lot of tenders liked. It kind of reminds me of like a kind of more optimistic, like colorful take on 
the abstractment tender collab the whose oh, name pang. is escaping me now. pang it kind of is like a denser happier color pang to me because this is colorful strokes all crisscrossing and forming this this great texture and these great patterns interesting i was gonna say like a happier version of stitched or stitched trauma <laughs> the pepe stuff yeah no 100 percent. just kind of in, in the vibes of it right yeah so I just want to put this here and acknowledge it because it did have quite a moment, um, minted out really quickly, got nicely flipped, and just another great project from Ecker Zero here. Go check it out. It's actually like sitting- Near mint? 30. Near mint, I think. 30 says the price is 25, so you can probably go pick a nice output from at or near the floor that won't cost you much more than it would have cost you to mint it. So. And uh, really- only one offer right now at Tentas. So if you wanted to undercut that offer and put a 11, <laughs> overcut you can absolutely the offer. go for it. Overcut. <laughs> yeah, it's for overcutting on offers, undercutting on everything else. Yeah. Go check that one out. Just want to shout it out. I know this episode's getting long. Should we just do some looking ahead and then wrap it up? Yeah, let's do some looking ahead. We've already talked about one of our items in looking ahead, which is the Willie Mapan solo exhibition on verse. That one is. I think it's like October 17th. Or yeah, something it's like not it's named yet. Like I was checking weeks. for a name. Oh, no name. Okay. Yeah. Not yet. Right now, it's just called William Mapan verse solos. There is at least some text up there, but yeah, somehow no name yet. I'm sure it'll, it'll be incoming. Everyone should look out for that and then look out, hopefully, for us to have an interview with him that would release. That would be around that sick. Time. We can lock up recording time with him i wanted to shout out that zancan is sharing some very interesting looking test prints on twitter obviously very much in the zancan style here we're doing a new take on grass but i really like the direction that he went here with the colors and with this like kind of like pattern showing this cross section of the soil underneath a new take on the buildings or structures and clouds. It's like this very interesting mishmash of like realism and abstract. That gradient in the color field especially is super appealing to me. TBD what this is for, but pretty exciting. Yeah, it looks like probably a series of 101s, I would assume, for something that's coming up, just based off of the nuance and detail. I'm also curious if this has anything to do with art matter, which we haven't talked about for a bit. It looks like it's not using the art matter technology, mm. but from a coloring perspective, who knows? I would guess it's not. I mean, it's the the line work is so fine um, on the coloring in particular. Like it just doesn't look like it was colored with paint. Yeah, to me, it's also smaller scale. Yeah, there's a video in the tweet that we'll link to in the notes at some point. Yeah, and agreed that it's not fully plotted. Yeah, you know, he was just at the like the last uh, bright moments. So I doubt it's for the next bright moments. I was kind of thinking like, oh, could it be verse? Because the carbon capture anniversary is coming up kind of soon. So I was like, oh, I wonder if there will be like a one-year thing on verse kind of tied into that. Even in this market, that would like set people going crazy. If there was some like burn or reserve list for people who held a certain number of those, can you imagine? God. Don't even want to think about it, right? So let's move off of that. That's just speculation. We're still looking ahead. Did you check out this trichromatic thing from Mount Vitruvius? Not yet, but before we jump, just alert that the floor price on carbon capture is back down to $20. Oh, wow. Yeah. Might be worth sweeping just on principle. Pull up that trichromatic. Oh, 
I did get a chance to look at this. It's um I don't think it's the next one. Yeah, it's probably the next not. one it's is already announced. Uh, it's something different, but this is definitely upcoming for Artblocks curated. It was announced for no- for eighth of November, so we have like six weeks. It's pretty good. I'm liking what I'm seeing. What you have in the notes here is Asekia meets Slumber yeah. by Volatile <laughs> Moods, which yeah. uh, I can totally see and respect. And you know, some of these have just a pinch of September thrown in, just with some of the uh, some of the shapes. Maybe not that much September, maybe a pinch. Maybe some like if you go to his website, he has a, a write up already of like his approach to the coding, not as in depth as like an Amy might, uh, Amy Goodchild, but like a step by step of like what's going on here. But then some of the pieces that he has up, they do have some interesting variety. Some of them are like much more strictly geometric without so much of that warping. Some of them have a lot of the warping. Some of them look really messy. Like there is one that kind of looks almost September-ish or almost even like Lars Wander-ish with how drippy and distorted it gets. So we're checking out the website that Mount Vitruvius has as well. And of course, we'll link to that to see some of the diversity here. But I feel like this will probably perform really well. I mean, this is like, as we would say, this is extremely on meta. Yeah. Extremely on meta. <laughs> yeah, it is so. definitely like flavors of strands of solitude. Going back to Ulima Pano, back on tonic. Prints of this would probably look incredibly sick. You know, I think the one thing I would recommend, look, like the early experiments, just going back to what you're saying about the write-up on the Mount of Vitruvius website, I really like that first picture, applying rhythm to color. Yeah. Where it's just kind of like um, Escher-like stairs. I love the simplicity. I love the minimalism of that. Possibly as much or more so than the final output. Although, obviously, this doesn't work for a long form. But that would be a great addition piece or a one-of-one to throw up on foundation or something. That would be sick. Yeah. We'll probably not come back to this for a few weeks when when it's out, but definitely one to watch. I I would guess that this will be in that one ETH mint out range or north of it. I, I cannot imagine the Artblocks community sleeping on this I one. I still prefer Torrent to this. I think Torrent was a little off meta. I mean, I think it's just kind of like just such an undeniably great piece that clearly like people had really high expectations for it. A lot of flippers went in. And I think that probably similarly, like that will happen here. I think if I was sitting on a stack of ETH, I would assume I'd be able to mint several of these and make a profit and probably keep one. That would be like my assumption because these just, they have that look. They have that look. And I'm not saying that like in a cynical way. I just, I mean, I think the project right. is really You're cool. putting your bet in. I'm, t- I'm putting my bet in. I think You're putting your bet in right now. Yeah. All right. I think that maybe too many people might think that way, but maybe too many people will think that people are thinking that way. So you could <laughs> be right. I mean, the game theory just goes on forever. It goes all the way down. And you can get more insights like this from me on friend tech. How much is your key right now? I think you can get one for like $12. That's it's like value. .004 ETH or something. <laughs> I don't That's like that six is. articles. Yeah. Versus Will forever. And for, more. for at least three. as long as the, the app works, yeah. <laughs> which honestly, based on once you open up the app, you're not going to have a lot of confidence that it's going to be working for a long time because yeah, but it, it is extremely janky. These buyers did their own research. Let's be honest. You do your own research by listening to the show and deciding if you want to text me there versus just typing to me on Discord or on <laughs> Twitter. Is this you... episode going to be called Friend Tech? 
Probably. I'll pro- I'm going to find some friend tech line to make the title. Yeah, all right. Free advertising. Free Love advertising. It. Go buy my keys. All right. Last looking ahead. Another tender collab coming up oh, yeah. with an artist that I wasn't familiar with, actually, because I don't think that they've released anything on FX hash. And if they've done anything on Artbox, it's from a while ago. This is an artist called David Seven. They go by Division Seven on Twitter. So this project's called Primal. It's going to be 250 pieces. I don't believe pricing has been announced yet. On Ethereum. On Ethereum, yes, because uh, I think D- David put out. I, want, I don't know if I put it in the notes here. He put out a Medium article that the coding language that he works with actually isn't supported by FX Hash, or at oh. least in part. I mean, he, FX Hash really only supports JavaScript. Right. And, and a few other things that work natively, I guess, in the browser. Java-related. For- yeah. So I forget which language or languages he used that are not compatible and thus won't work. But because of that, they're being done as a pre-curated, right? So pre-curated images that'll then be distributed on, I think it's been announced, it'll be sold on the Tender platform itself. Uh, uses Python. Python. There you go. That's the issue. Okay. Just like the Gantt Contexture piece and the Crank Carter piece, you'll be able to get these directly from Tender. We have an integration with the Artblocks contract, so they're doing it that way. Check the, t- the Tender account on Twitter. They've been sharing outputs from this, and it's kind of got like kind of a Quibibi-ish vibe, but a little more sinister, a little more like of zoomed like in. Some of the Peter Pasma pieces, like Gonzian. I could see a little, yeah, a little of that. It's got a very like organic quality to it that I really appreciate. And it does look, I mean, you look at it and it, and it looks different. And I, I can kind of see, right, that like we're working outside of the tool set that's available traditionally through like P5 and the, and the mediums that we're familiar with. Like it does have a visually distinct quality to it that is like, oh, it, it jumps out to me. Looking forward to it because this looks like a really cool piece and another stellar collab coming up from Tender. Any last minute things to chop it up about? Anything we didn't cover? Cover the Roman Empire. That's the most important. (laughs) I think the only other piece we might want to talk about or just mention is Plottable Spirals coming up in four days. uh, Collaboration with Gruub and Arthur Simony. Tez. It's another plottable piece. This time it spirals. Actually, I was flipping through it earlier today or yesterday and pretty satisfying. Very satisfying. Very interesting combination of like text plus plotting. And then it's a redeemable piece. I don't know if they actually have like the redeemable thing enabled yet, but if you read the description, it's got two price tiers, like 220. And the big difference being that if you buy it at 200, you actually get a signed piece. If you buy it at 20, it's not signed. So I guess they'll go through the effort of mailing it back and forth and (laughs) and signing the piece if you pay at the higher price tier. Otherwise, you can just get a what is probably like a reasonably small A4 square. I bet that's on the smaller side mm-hmm. um, plot for just 20 Tez. So. And the scribbles actually have words. I didn't know that yeah. until I looked at the big one. That's the um, this other artist that, that Gruub is collaborating with is known for doing, I guess, this um, script, like doing text, like drawn hmm. text art, handwritten art. So they're trying to combine these two things, right? That's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Progress, progress, progress is the one I'm looking at right now. Choice, justice, flexibility. <laughs> Good catch on shouting that one out. I think uh, I, I bet at twenty Tez, quite a few people will take this and, and want to get the free plot because it's it's a pretty cool project. I kind of wish that it animated that 
the script drew itself as though it were being plotted. That would be kind of fun. That would be such a sick loading animation or like yeah. having a, the option to do that. Oh, well, oh, that's well. fine. Next time. Plot it yourself and you can watch a computer do you, it for you. You can take a video of it. Well, I think we did it with this one. We did an epic two-week catch-up. We covered a lot of stuff. We talked shit about social media. Yeah, we'll have to put the link to your friend tech in here so that you can sell more keys. You can't. I don't even think you can link to it. It doesn't even have a website. It's it's an app only that you can only access from a mobile device. You can't even go to it on your browser right now if you wanted to. All right. Well, we'll put in your handle. (laughs) I'm just hoping that anyone who hears this who wants to, who already has one, who has like a little bit of floating ETH over there can just go buy a key and farm me. Like I said, who cares? We'll farm you. It's a scam. So if you want to get scammed, go for it. Hell yeah. But you would be supporting Will. Well, let's wrap it up here. I know it's late, but we got it done. That's it for this one, everyone. Hope you all enjoyed. Be back again soon with another episode. That's it. Goodbye. Peace out.